So uh, good afternoon and welcome to the next in a series of major project association podcasts. Uh, this one uh, today we're building on the theme of collaborative leadership, very much a, a strategic theme for the association this year. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Tony Slater, SMP Alliance Managing Director from National Highways. Uh, Tony's been working with a whole range of contractors, designers and suppliers across the, uh, the in England uh, strategic road network looking at smart motorways. Uh, I'll get him to introduce himself very briefly in a minute, but today we're going to be exploring the work that Tony and the Alliance have been doing in collaborative leadership and collaborative development to make sure that the Smart Motorways programme is delivered everything that it's supposed to be doing. So Tony, um, with that introduction, just a very quick background from yourself. How did you find yourself where you are today as Alliance Managing Director? Hi Al, I joined National Highways in April 2020 and I joined to lead the uh, SMP Alliance, which is there to construct the Smart Motorways programme for RIS 2 and RIS 3. So RIS is the Road Investment Strategy Period. So those are the five-year periods that we work the, that we work towards. So the Alliance came about really um, from a, an evolution. So Smart Motorways were delivered under the Collaborative Delivery Framework, or CDF was the acronym. Um, and that was really a design and construct set of joint ventures. So National Highway selected key design partners and key construction partners and set about putting them together in a joint venture arrangement at project level. And those projects range from significant values from around 100 million to 900 million in value. And during the CDF programme, it's learned. So National Highways have learned the successes and the failures of that. And the and the alliance is born out of that, really. So the alliance has come from an evolution of that, um, such as the regional development programme. Also, the listeners will be aware of that. And National Highways successfully delivered the A14 in, in an alliance in, in, in an alliance style. So this is very much about programme-led delivery rather than project-led delivery. So it's how we can create a single entity, an integrated single entity that can take um, that can take the Smart Motorways programme forward, hence hence how it was developed. Thanks, Tony. And I think you know, it's pertinent to the moment because I think you've just been quite uh, quite visible on LinkedIn and, and social media recently with the launch of your latest uh, set of projects around the M4, M5, which I believe is being led by one of your key partners, Balfour BT. And it's probably worth mentioning at this point that, that the main alliance partners consist of obviously National Highways acting as the client. You've got the likes of Fleur, Balfour BT, Bamnuttle, Morgan Sindel, Costain, Jacobs and WSP. I think I've got most of the main partners in that, that list, I hope. Um, but, I, but I know from um, being aware of the programme before that your main contractors work kind of geographically and regionally. So in case of the M4 and 5, it's Balfour BT, uh, work being done on the M6, which I believe where you are today is, I think, uh, led by Costain. So you've got these regional partners delivering. Where does the alliance framework and where does the value of alliancing sit within that kind of geographically diverse uh, sort of organisational structure? SMP Alliance is formed of seven partners. Mm. There's Nas National Highways. We have a programme management partner, which is FLIR. Yep. We've got two digitally enabled design partners, which are WSP and Jacobs. And we've got three on-site assembly partners, which are uh, Costain, Balfour Beatty and a joint venture of Bauer, Morgan, Sindel, BMJV. We, we have one contract in place. So there's one contract agreement, one alliance agreement of which every partner is signed to. So there's one contract governing this. 
and the, and the ethos of that is really there's one set of results at the end of it so it's one set of accounts so every partner wins or every partner loses including national highways as as a client so with that in mind that's very very different than uh, the way smart motorways projects have been delivered so how it works on a on a regional basis and on a on a project basis is kind of different so we we've now formed an integrated program team so the integrated program team we've got um and, and from a leadership perspective through to management management team is 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 completely integrated from a best person to fulfill, to fulfill that role you know there is no mandate for a person from an organization to fill it on a, on a quota basis so we, we we appoint people into the into the hub if you like the production hub on a best for the best for candidate basis so that doesn't really that's agnostic of who they're employed by yeah um, and then at a site level we because we operate programmatically we we allocate work on a on a on a shared basis so we, we want a, we want a share an equal share between the two design partners um, and we want uh, a share an equitable share across the on-site assembly partners so it's, it's done equitably on a share and then secondary is geographic so you're quite right we've we've, we've got projects which there will be principal contractors and principal designers um, allocated but it's been it's to a program team so okay that, that's that's kind of the real difference so we've taken what would be a typical client program a client program delivery team and that's now integrated in into an alliance delivery team okay thanks for that tony and and sort of thinking back to the, obviously the formation of uh, the alliance model and the concept of collaboration which tends to underpin that we talk a lot about around collaboration in, in complex projects and it's a word that, that quite often gets misused one of the perceived issues with collaboration is it can be seen as everything everybody in it together and everybody being playing nice with each other whereas actually what collaboration actually is in effect is is being really clear about who's doing what to whom and how the individual parts of the alliance work together so Perhaps it'd be, be good to hear from you, Tony, as to how that kind of formed up in the Alliance and how you worked through those sort of operating principles. One Alliance contract in place requires everybody to participate to one common purpose. So every partner wins, every partner loses. So, so we, have a, we have a common purpose across each of the partners in, in the Alliance. So in terms of collaboration, there's probably a two levels I'd kind of just draw people's attention to. There's, there's, there's within inside the alliance, so internally, how, how do we set this alliance up? So we've, we've, taken a, 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 we've taken all the partners through a journey into a new way of working for them. So that mustn't be underestimated how, you know, how, how much of a change it is for people, and there are people to move from a current organisation into a new organisation that's been formed, an alliance organisation. And then to operate in a different way. So a lot of emphasis is that, that 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 I put in from a from a leadership perspective is is how do we how do we take people on that journey, um, the journey across that. So we've got an internal collaboration of how, of, of how we work in a different way. So how do those people operate differently in a new venture? And then the wider collaboration is how, how do we how does that organisation then talk to the partner organisations and and the other key stakeholders. National House is a is a is a is a big client organization. So the alliance yeah. is, one, is is one part of that. So how do we how does that how does this new group now talk to what are sponsors, what are engineering specialists, safety specialists, you know, the, the operations director specialists and so on. So there's a whole network of, of of there's a whole network of collaboration there. 
Um, so it's important that we that we understand that. But but within inside the alliance, this this common purpose requires people to collaborate. So it does have a purpose. Uh, what have you seen in terms of um, sort of the adaptation and the leadership behaviours that, that flow from your partners, particularly as they start to work together in a different way? Uh, have you seen that transition over time? What's the key observation you'd make as, as sort of the, the alliance lead that um, where that transition has come from? When we set the alliance up and we started to mobilise, um, we, we, we created a we wanted to create an alliance identity rather than ad an adoption of any of the seven partners identities and that that kind of put ourselves on neutral ground so i thought i thought i think it's really important in events like this to create a neutral ground mm. so everybody's feeling a little bit different uh, when they go into this yeah. and there's no there's no one dominant party and this is this is with the client in 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 mind too so we deliberately set about creating and trying to create a different a, 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 an aligned vision and a, and a mission um, that allows people to, to to anchor back to that. So when we look at what what are, what are we here to do, why are we here, we can answer those points in a in a very neutral way. So a, a big part of this and getting collaboration across seven partners right is 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 taking people on that journey with us. So we we we've got an alliance brand, an alliance identity, yeah, and develop an alliance culture that's complementary to the organisations involved. Because people are not employed by lives, they're still employed by their their, their home organisation. Yeah. So we need to make it possible and easy for those people to navigate across that boundary. Yeah. So creating a single alliance vision is really important. Um, having a mission that works and making sure that that talks back to those organisations and providing support and very regular communication so people can people can see how the alliance is supporting yeah. their organisation and supporting what what we are employed to do by national highways. So it, it, it then extends into developing a way of working. Yeah. So focusing on, on the transactional side of things, so what are our systems? So making sure we've got common systems, common processes that make it easy for people to interact. Um, we've got a governance framework around that. So it's really important that we've got that we've got governance under control under control. So we've got governance at different levels. We've got we, we've got governance through from a client lens, but then we've got governance back through each through the partner. So being sensitive to these, you know, mechanical issues as well as the human issues as we as we form an alliance, as we form um, a team, and then and then develop a culture and our systems and processes is is is, is a real task. But it, it's it's an absolute focus on that as well as delivering and forming a team to go and deliver. Yeah. I think, I mean, interesting, you really, you talked there about the, the systems, the ways of working, the governance and, and the behaviours, that integration, that alignment, I think is absolutely critical. You know, we, we talk about the system structures and, and culture of organisations, and we tend to think sometimes about them in isolation. And certainly when we talk about collaboration in general, we tend to think of it as a, as a cultural issue. Um, but what I think you've really, really said there is it, it is, but also it has to be linked and aligned to your ways of working, your processes. Uh, and this, as you said, your governance, because given the number of partners you've got. Um, just thinking sort of more broadly about uh, the Alliance and, and what it's achieved um, in the programme. Obviously, the Smart Motorways programme is not without its its controversies in, in the sort of the public uh, domain. And uh, you've had your challenges, I'm sure, with um, the government and funding and some of the challenges around the safety case. Um, where do you think the Alliance has managed to get to in terms of what it's achieved? That perhaps it might not have done as well had it not been done as an alliance. 
where do you see that real value and benefit of the alliancing now starting to play out? Yeah, so smart motorways divides opinion and a lot of major infrastructure programs do. There's different categories of what a smart motorway is, whether it's an all lane running, it's a dynamic hard shoulder or a more traditional three lane running and one hard shoulder. So there is a bit of a confusion around the term smart motorways and, and what and where there's the where there's the concern coming in from from um, from the press and 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 the public around around the all lane running in particular. So a number of things have happened. So back in 2020, government initiated a stock take. So the transport minister um, initiated a stock takes that that but that was about well what are the things that we can do to improve smart motorways, and that brought about some actions. And mainly for 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 SNP Alliance, it was about the introduction of stopped vehicle detection. We've then gone through a number of other significant events over the last the last two years, and the main ones being um, the Transport Select Committee report back in was issued back in January 2022, which paused the um, delivery of all lane running motorways until there was until there was a, a, a longer period of performance data on the smart mode on the on the all lane running motorways that had been built. So we've seen we've seen a whole change to the work bank. So the work bank that we started off with back at the start of the alliance has been really unstable and really changeable. And we've changed several times to cope with to cope with this. Now, these change events are significant in terms of scope and uh, the whole directional change that we as an organisation have to have to undertake to address those changes is 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 really significant. Now, if we were more traditionally set up and we were we were a more traditional type of contract and not an enterprise model, I don't think we could have responded to those changes as dynamically and as quickly. And don't get me wrong, the change is really hard to manage, really hard to navigate. But the the team create a can do rather than a cannot attitude. Yeah. So how, what I'm really, really enthused by is is how can we adapt? So the whole culture, the whole feeling of the team is how how can we do? What can we do to react to the change that have been that have been imposed on us? That in itself is high energy. So it takes a lot of energy to um, yes. to keep to keep enthusiasm through that. But I go back. I go back to the team again. You know, so our team is really enthused, really strong. It's it's developed a resilience to these external changes. You know, I'm really proud that that our team have been able to do that. And and what we're actually doing on 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 site is improving the safety and the performance of the strategic road network. And just holding that in mind sometimes is a guiding light for people. No, no, thanks for that. I think it goes back to you said about the guiding vision as well and that ultimate ability to to focus on those outcomes and and ultimately the the, the, the customer experience, the safety of of the, the travelling public. Interesting the way you describe that though, because I think one of the challenges around collaboration is it does take effort. It takes more effort to work in a collaborative fashion than it does to work in a transactional fashion when things are going well. But I think I think what I heard you say there, and I'll, I'll give you the chance to confirm or deny this in a minute, is that by spending the time at the beginning really getting that setup right and having that understanding with each other, when things were a bit challenging, you had the the environment, the behaviours, the systems all aligned to allow you to to make those decisions in a, in a collaborative alliance way. Yeah, so we we mobilised to P Alliance in the right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, so as we were mobilising, we were doing this over Teams. So none of us were familiar with using Teams and 
Yeah. We've got new people meeting each other in a new style, in a new way, and a different way of working. We 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 had change cubed. <laughs> yes. We I might, I might steal that idea from you, change cubed. I like that. <laughs> we spent a long time and a lot of energy in in getting to know each other and building those networks of relationships. And yeah. there's, there's an old adage that uh, trust is hard earned and easily lost. And, yeah. and the whole focus from me, from me is how do we get these teams to work together and to start to trust each other? And the energy of doing that is high, but mm. the value you get from, from doing that, it, 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 it completely outweighs the effort that we can put into some other things. Not to say we should ignore a lot of the other things, but um, in terms of putting uh, focusing the team and getting that team to work together and sort of understand each other, it, it's by far and away the biggest investment of time, but the biggest benefit. And it becomes natural. And I think I think people want to work together, naturally yeah. want to work together. And what 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 we've done here is create the ability for that to happen. And it, it's about creating an environment. So focus on a number of things. So the environment people work in has got to be psychologically safe for them to operate in. So yeah. they can they can raise an issue, they can ask, they can challenge openly. And that's a real powerful thing once you get to that because it becomes it becomes really pleasant to work in. And yeah. it allows that diversity of thought to come in. And as we get that diversity of thought in, in a safe way, magic seems to happen. And it, <laughs> it becomes really humbling to be part of something like that and watching people develop, run ideas, break across hierarchical boundaries, break across traditional operating boundaries. And it's extremely rewarding. So please don't underestimate the level of effort needed, but the benefits far outweigh the level of investment. And I think that's exactly my point, Tony, that it, it does take time and effort to invest at the at the front end. And sometimes it's not always to see, easy to see the value at it, of it at the time. I think you touched on a, a number of, and you almost, you stole my next question there because you talked about psychological safety and, and humility. I think um, at the event we had in Birmingham recently, the association event, um, Steve Tarr, um, obviously senior um, CEO, one of the, the partner companies, Balfabiti, um, did a short video clip for us. And one of the things he said within that was, um, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but, but in effect, he said, there's no such thing as collaborative leadership, it's just good leadership. And I think you know, as we go forward in, in complex projects um, and we start to talk about how we operate in complex projects going forward, I think the collaboration just becomes the norm for how we deliver in complexity. Uh, and thinking forward to you perhaps giving advice and guidance to someone who is in going to be in your shoes in another sector in another major project, what would be the key aspects of particularly around leadership that you would you would say to them to, to make sure you focused on um, as they were setting up their their future alliance, the, the contractual framework must be sort of, must be supportive of a of, of of a way of collaborating together, and it, and, it, and it mustn't it mustn't prevent that. The, the the phrase collaborative leadership is just good leadership kind of resonates with me. But in times of stress, what tends to happen is people and teams default to um, a more autocratic or um, a hierarchical style of leadership. Yeah, and it's in those times when collaborative leadership becomes ever more important. Yeah, and and it can often feel being collaborative is being slow, and not getting to a decision fast enough. Um, but the inclusion, taking people on the journey, and 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 having the humility to to listen, and bring in other ideas 
can transform your train of thought, can transform the action into becoming something far more positive and far more uh, impactful than where you can head initially. So it, it is it is almost counterintuitive to some people. It depends on your DNA and how you're wired, I guess. But um, slowing down to be more inclusive will get you to a better outcome. The 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 the, the the bit I would really focus on in setting a venture like this up would be developing that common purpose. So why? What's yeah. our why? Why are we here? What's our vision and mission? How are we going to get there? And what are the key principles and points that, that, that we can agree that, um, that, 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 take us towards, that take us towards success? Major programs, major infrastructure programs uh, that you know, they, they're very, they can last for a long, long time in, in yes. num numbers of years. And the fatigue and the, the the fatigue that can creep in can can pull people's motivation and enthusiasm down. You mentioned that that fatigue. How, how have you gone about, how have you thought about kind of keeping that energy going and, and maybe remobilising re the team as you move through different phases of the Alliance programme? In a programme like this, success doesn't, doesn't come until the very end. <laughs> but actually, you've got a number of successes that, that, that you need to declare. So I think it's really important to declare um, where we have succeeded openly and celebrate that success, not not in a huge fanfare way, but but really reward and and recognise some achievements that that are being made and and really share across a team and and highlight and and look at the look at the um, successes that uh, that people have got. And I I've, I I really resonate with outcome based yeah. an outcome based approach. So. We developed a number of outcomes that that are not all around the product that we're building, but are around other 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 measures. And and you can demonstrate progress against those at regular intervals. It doesn't have to be at the end. Sharing that uh, and celebrating where people are, are are influencing and and driving improvement can be really rewarding. And and just recognizing that people are working in something transformational, communicating that can really up up the enthusiasm. And, and just keep just keep the positivity alive, and ever more so is it important if you're working in, you know, in in a in an infrastructure program that's got some advertisement around it. Yes. And and you know, there's, there's, there's thousands of people involved in this, and and it's it's absolutely essential that 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 their work is recognised as being completely valid, and and they don't lose faith and lose heart as we as we go through change programs, as we go through adversity, as we go through altering the work back, whatever it is. It's just keeping. It's trying to keep keep that in mind all the time. No, I think, and you you mentioned earlier on about major infrastructure projects. You know, paraphrasing can be a bit marmite for some people. You, know, you love them or you hate them. I think there's that challenge, as you say, of of keeping everyone actually involved with it, motivated when when there is some adversity out there. Uh, you also talked about the win-win, and uh, uh, one one partner's success is everyone's success, and and one partner's failure is everyone's failure. Um, if you if you if you got to, uh, able to talk briefly about how you've seen that play out amongst the partners, where you've just got particular partners focusing on particular projects, how have you seen that kind of their success reflected in in the other partners' commitment to and to their success and 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 recognising the value of the alliance overall? Yeah, so there's a there's a piece to at the start of um, uh, of an alliance that the the principle that every partner wins, every partner loses. It's quite easy to to get your head around, but the the commercial model often yeah. can be quite a bit more complex than that. So, 
Alchemist model does align to that principle, but there's elements of that which are quite difficult to understand at first glance and takes time. So there's a work stream to happen to understand the commercial model and get that completely embedded. So it's, it's a common understanding of how that operates and how that works. Um, there's then a behavior piece that um, from, from a client perspective in the Alliance, a client person in the Alliance and, and a partner in the Alliance, the whole behavior is it's got to align to that, to that principle of win-win. And, you know, we use the phrase win cube. So the alliance has got to win, the partners have to win, and the client has to win. So when we when we get to a difficult decision or any decision that's, that's got commercial uh, tension around it, if you align back to those principles, if a decision is is according with each of those, we can't go that, that far wrong. The, 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 um, the, the effort comes in times of stress. I keep saying this, that, that when things are going wrong, or it is a change, it's difficult to... It can be difficult, sorry, to 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 maintain that principle, but yes. go back into that and going again, slowing it down ever so slightly, just to make sure we've got all that aligned. Is 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 kind of the the overriding method I'd suggest of how to how to get through to success. There's one one point I'd just like to to follow up on on that, and that's the the one word perhaps we haven't used so far uh, directly is accountability. And thinking what you just what I heard you say there was recognizing that mutual accountability for success. What's your thought on how you've seen a shift in the ability to be accountable amongst individuals within the alliance, and how that that has played out perhaps when you have had to hold each other to account, and and those behaviours have really had to come into play. So back into um, one of the five pillars of Project Thirteen is around organisation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, aligning back to that pillar, we need to have a, an organisation that allows for the adequate transfer of accountability through it. Accountability given, not not it's 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 not assumed, and being really clear on how we organise ourselves, making sure people are completely aware that individual and collective accountabilities is important. So we. You, you, you need to organise. So you, you need to organise your team and have an operating model that allows for those um, accountabilities to be completely transparent. And in a major programme, it, it's 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 very often in the matrix way. So we, we have a, an, an, a vertical accountability, but we've got a lot of support networks coming in from the side. Um, and and it can be quite complex to understand, but 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 spending time to develop that operating model so we have an organisation that, um, that that meets our governance code. It allows for projects to be set up and programmes to be set up for success. is 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 really important and 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 constantly reviewing and changing that. So these these organisations are not static. We've changed our work bank several times here, and by necessity we've changed the organisation to cope with that and reflect that. So it's under constant review. And that, that's, you know, people can see that as negative sometimes because we're changing the organisation, but it's absolutely the, the inverse. It's a positive. We're responding to the change. We're making yeah. sure that the, that the change is is is, is managed um, and we can just re- reflect those accountabilities again in a in a changed environment. So, Tony, I just want to pick up on one other thing that we perhaps haven't touched on yet when we when we talk about the alliance and the partners. Obviously, underpinning that is a significant supply chain. How, how does the supply chain get involved and engaged in in the alliance, and how do they add value to that? So SNP Alliance has a has a huge supply network. It's 
an evolution or development of SP Alliance is that we extend those principles out and we include our wider supply network in that. I'll give you some examples of that. So we we have we have a lot of servicing to do. So we have a servicing community, we have a lot of drainage to do, a drainage community. And bringing those those organizations in to support how we design and develop a particular scheme or a particular program of work is 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 so enlightening. Um, there's been a lot of I think barrier to entry for those organisations to talk to traditional design organisations for some reason I don't know the reasons why, but there's been a, there's been a lack of engagement there in the past. And I think what we're doing is is opening those channels of communication up and allowing those organisations to input really early to develop something that's going to be safer to build, quicker to build, less carbon intensive, and so on and so on. So that less shift that the industry talks about working in a in a in an alliancing fashion with your wider supply network it is 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 fundamental to allowing an, an improvement and a real trans a real transformation within within infrastructure delivery and some examples that we're seeing of that we we've recently completed the stop to fecal detection program and we did that from zero to completion in 22 months and so that's over 100 100 million pounds worth of work in that time going from scheme reception all yeah. the way from design mobilization construct commissioning and testing and so on so we've seen some great engagement and input um, and recognizing those supplies that we work with and, and and that ecosystem it creates an ecosystem and it becomes self self-fulfilling and the more organizations talk to design organizations the more integrated they they feel and the safe we've broken down the barrier and the safe to operate it, it it's it's really enlightening watching watching and seeing that 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 happen learning is a key part of effective collaboration can you just share with us how the alliance has built its kind of learning model and how you've recognized the fact that you are working in a, a best for program environment and some of your partners you know there'll be cross 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 partner learning learning in the supply chain and, and maybe some of those perhaps old old school tendencies to hold on to things how have you have you broken that cycle and perhaps enabled and encouraged the sharing of practice and learning across the, the alliance I'm confident within the alliance we've got the best of the best. So we 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 we, we through the competition to get to to form the the, the original seven alliance partners. There was a there was a, a very extensive um, procurement exercise done, and we've got a really good set of partners. You know, the best of the best. So I know we've got the best from that perspective. That and we're developing a, a wider supply network that 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 augments that and is and is supportive of that. The um the the way in which we're now structured with having one central integration team which has got every partner represented in it um it allows for more informal collaboration as well as formal collaboration yeah so i don't hear within the within the program hub or, or the production hub any any stopping of a transfer of an idea from a, an organization to to another it's very open it's very transparent people are good to to share very very often want to share and also indeed take take that learning again. We 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 have some supportive systems that allow allow that. So we have we you know we have embedded lessons learned. Um, we 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 have regular dialogue around around lessons. We have um, uh, we have a process of digital efficiency registers and so on. So we have a we have a real network of support and and systems that allow allow for learning to be transferred. But just this morning. I'm sat at the M6 today. Just this morning, I'm I'm, I'm seeing Costain, you know, people employed by Costain within within the alliance, talking openly to people from Balfour yeah. B or BMJV or WSP or or or, 
or or Jacobs, those barriers don't exist because the people naturally want to collaborate, they naturally want to make it better. You know, there's no there's no benefit in holding back sharing an idea or indeed taking up an idea. There's no barrier here. And that becomes quite wonderful to watch and quite engaging. And people just automatically want to do it. And I think all we've done is remove the restriction that to happen and allow it and encourage it and celebrate when it's done.